All right, it's a Friday podcast. We got a good one for you. We're going to go against our better nature and do something that we usually promise that we're not going to do, but I don't know, buddy. We kind of talked ourselves into doing it today. Speculation. Trade speculation, man. It's our favorite thing to do. Talking about the only really big name out there and the possibility that the Nets could be in on going and getting another star. Oh, I'm becoming like a different person when I talk to you about this stuff, right? You come over to Lockdown Nets podcast, and all of a sudden <laughs> we're doing, we're saying, we're saying, we're never gonna do it. We're not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it. And here we are, about to speculate on a Drew Holiday trade for the Brooklyn Nets. Here we go. You are locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your official and best source for all things Brooklyn Nets out here in the podcasting sphere. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is Adam Armbrecht. Howdy, friends. And you can probably hear from our voices. This is this is the Locked On Nets All Sick podcast. Um, we have, I got, it's not COVID, don't worry about that. Uh, we well, Not that anyone was going to, but uh, I got some kind of cold going on here. You got a stomach thing going on. It's Friday morning. Coming at you like a couple heroes, I would say. Just you know, just coming out of the coming out of the tunnel. They didn't think they didn't think they'd reemerge, but uh, here we are, coming out of the tunnel. The crowd goes wild. Here to talk some Nets basketball. It's what I like to call uh, this is our flu game. You know, this is oh, this is I didn't think about that. this is this is Michael Jordan just reaching down into it and saying, "Here's a story about something that maybe went wrong last night." <laughs> All right. Well, yours is better than mine. Uh, a couple quick notes. I, yesterday we talked a punch. A punch is when you combine a ton and a bunch um, into, into a word that you kind of mess up and say it wrong. Yesterday we talked a ton and a bunch about our thoughts on, on the Nets and this coming restart. The league did vote yesterday to uh, agree on the December 22nd restart. That was kind of a formality we thought. We outlined in the podcast yesterday about why we thought it was really perfect for the Nets uh, in their current situation the current iteration of this Nets team and their roster why we thought um that December 22nd thing really really set up very well for them so go back and listen to that we're going to nod to it here and there but I do think it was uh, you know not to toot our own horns I thought it was a really good episode uh breaking down at least some of the bird's eye view and and a little more granular stuff about why uh the Nets uh, are really really set up if they aren't to make a trade now I (laughs) <laughs> I couch that by saying, do you think you got sick because we were going to talk fake trades on the show? Or do, like, what do you think? What do you think it happened? Was this like a chicken or the egg thing? Like you, we decided <laughs> to talk some fake trades at the show and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, both of us came down. I just, just got a really sick, a <laughs> like real that, that guttural, a real guttural reaction when you said, hey, trades. I just went, that is not going to be great for me. <laughs> I'm actually not feeling so good. <laughs> um <laughs> Now, like if you if you're with us for the We Got Nets days, you know, and if you're just you know if you're new to Locked On with us at least, you know, fake trades are some of the favorite things of the NBA, um, just NBA Twitter, just the NBA world. I get why it's fun to think about players moving teams. It's fun to think about uh, you know who it's, who could be on your team. It's fun thinking about getting the better of a deal if you're a fan of a team. So I, I totally get the idea behind it. It's just not our. The reason we don't really get into it too much, and we've said this before, and I and I do think actually some of these are worth it, but the um is that one, the Nets have been nothing if not impossible to predict what they do. 
right? Think about almost everything they've done. I mean, sometimes you heard the rumblings of the Irving, uh, the Kyrie, and the KD thing coming out of the pike. It was still sort of a surprise. I mean, no one saw the Nash thing coming at all, right? So, like, the Nets are are pretty much a safe that's locked when it comes to this news, I think, as much as any other team. So the only reason I sometimes with the Nets don't like doing the fake trade thing is to is that it's just it, it, there's really no rumor mill around these guys that that is that you can really adhere to. But and I tweeted out the other day the will not make you know will not make a Drew Holiday trade or no, you know we'll, we'll podcast about <laughs> yes. a Drew Holiday trade because we'll, this has been the the long standing <laughs> one. But um, not friend of the show, but friend of the basketball world, Zach Lowe, get, came out yesterday on a podcast and talked about a possible Drew Holiday trade involving Karis LeVert. And that he thought Karis LeVert was the best reasonable player right now that New Orleans could expect to get back for Drew Holiday. That was mm-hmm. a speculation. He was saying he would have, they would have a LeVert plus some salary cap stuff, uh, you know, filler, and maybe a first-round draft pick gets it done for Holiday. And I guess we just got to talk about it because that's what Nets World is talking about. But the... I mean, what do you think about that trade? Does that would that still line up with what we talked about yesterday in terms of depth? Would it talk? You know, would it still would it still maintain the same line that we kind of got excited about? Like, how much would how much would a trade like that shift what we talked about yesterday in terms of simultaneous championship aspirations and solid depth around a regular season restart that could really affect other teams adversely? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, because it's basically essentially a one for one and you throw in a pick there and and that type of commodity, I think, is also something that organizationally the Nets look at, at that as a very, especially in this year's draft, look at it as a very movable piece, right? The 19th pick. Okay, great. Um, if you bring in Holiday, everything basically stands pat in terms of how you feel about the team. You get better defensively, and that's not a knock on Levert, but we know that that Holiday is an, is an elite talent in that regard. Now he he's thirty, so I think any any trades that get talked about, substan- you know, substantial or not, have to be in the vein of bringing in. I think a veteran guy like I don't you know there's not a lot of scenarios where you go here's young player X and they want to bring him into Brooklyn that's not going to move the needle because uh, you're still going to have the relative uncertainty that you still technically have around Levert and we know also that Levert isn't young he's 26 but 27 probably this season but you need to know that it's moving the needle in a very definitive way about how you're coming into this season. And a player like Drew Holiday would. I mean, you know, that's just the reality. That that would move the needle and it would make you feel or make me feel a lot more confident about this team when you get into the playoffs because I don't have questions about them scoring. Now, health and all those things are certainly something to consider around KD and Kyrie, but my biggest concern is about is this a pure, we're going to outscore everybody in the playoffs? Because there's some talented teams that can score. So it comes down to defense, and a guy like Holiday would certainly represent a nice upgrade for this roster. Yeah, I totally agree. And we've talked in the past about how any move that the Nets make from here on out has to really be defensively driven. It. This is why, I mean, the Bradley Beal thing sounds nice, and I get that it's a big score and you'd have to give up a haul for him. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, and... I yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it down, but the Nets' core issue right now is going to be defensive perimeter defense. When you have Kyrie in your team, you need to add perimeter defense alongside of him because he's just not an elite defender. He's 
a willing defender, and that's about as far as I'm willing to go with it with him. So it's okay. It's um, you know, he's on another stratosphere when it comes to offensively. So you can be not a great defender. You just need to be willing at that point to to be serviceable, right? Like this is the knock on Trey Young. Is he willing? It's unclear. Like he's on un, he's unbelievable on offense, but he needs to be at least willing on defense. Mm-hmm. So we need we the the Nets need to add perimeter defense and and um and Holiday does solve that and his age timeline is on the same sort of timeline uh, of where we are with Kyrie and KD mm-hmm. at this point right so you're not you're mortgaging something but not really because the the mortgage you're taking out is for a championship and that's really what you need to do I'd probably do this deal I think I don't think it hurts the Nets um too much. I mean, Holiday is not nearly the scorer that Levert is. He is a ball handler, though. He can be a secondary ball handler. Remember, he started as a point guard. He really, excuse me, hasn't played that much. It's set really in in New Orleans, and he's really not fit for it. So it's not, it's not perfect, but he's not he's not a zero, right? When it comes to ball handling, he can take over for stints at, at point guard if you need him to. They really wouldn't need him to as long as they had Dinwiddie. So I don't think you're giving up that much and and we and you mentioned it before and it's and it's worth you know it's worth going back to is that Lavert people think Lavert's young he's really not like he's the same age as Bradley Beal it's not yeah. this is not a this is not a spring chicken you know two guy two years into the league here well he is but he played 4 years in college and that's what kind of throws the 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 throws your idea of like how old he is off so i think in general i'd probably do this deal um whether it's actually available is uh, is unclear, but I think this is a, this is probably lines up like a deal that both sides say to themselves, okay, we pretty much got what we wanted. All right, before we get to the next segment, I have to talk about what happened to me yesterday. I get off the podcast yesterday. We got a thing going through our house, not feeling great, feeling like I'm hitting a wall, and I know I need to work the rest of the day. Probably not going to get a run in, but that is where Bilko stepped in. Bilko, brought to you by the same people that make Built Bar, is made for when you're hitting that wall. It's the best workout gel there is out there on the market. It's not, no, you don't want one of those energy drinks, the you know those five-hour energy drinks that you're trying to power and down. You crash from them later. That's not what Bilko is about. It won't feel like it. It's low on caffeine. It's low on sugar, but it's crazy high on energy. All the flavors you'd want, too. Um, yesterday, I hit up the peanut butter honey. Uh, they've also got chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. And it's all natural. Go to builtgo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, just like our podcast network, LOCKED. And you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. I think you're right in terms of it being a doable deal from the standpoint of you mentioned that, that Holiday has some ball handling capabilities. And by the way, like Levert's not, you don't automatically think on the ball when you think of Levert. And... The, one other small factor that I do consider when you talk about what we saw in the bubble from Levert and what his value is, and obviously he's a he's a solid scorer, and, and maybe he can build off of what he started in the bubble. But remember, when you come into this next season, you're talking about a lot of mouths to feed, right? Kevin Durant's going to want to be on ball creating his shot. We know Kyrie Irving's going to be on ball creating his shot. We know that when they start to get openings and they start to draw the defense, you're going to see Joe Harris getting a lot of easy looks. So, you know, in that regard, I, I'm not 100% certain. I'm very curious, and I'm sure it'll work out fine if Levert ends up being on the team this year, that can he just be a spot-up shooter at stretches when he's unable to be on the ball? And if not, 
Obviously, his value diminishes a little bit, and that's different than, say, a Spencer Dinwiddie, who we know you can let him come in and kind of fire him out of a cannon, and he's going to go out there as if he has been Kyrie Irving for the last decade, and that confidence carries over more often uh, than not. So from that standpoint, too, I, I think the holiday piece has an additional balancing benefit where, obviously, he doesn't need to be a scorer first. He doesn't even need to be third or fourth on the hierarchy of guys that need to get their looks over the course of a game. Um, one thing that you mentioned there as, as you were talking, now you corrected yourself, but maybe in the wrong direction. Uh, you said we, referring to the Brooklyn Nets, and then you said, well, the Brooklyn Nets. But do you think that we should just start to go with the royal we? Like, should we just kind of, cr- for all intents and purposes, we are the Brooklyn Nets, aren't we? Like, I mean, you know, as we know, you have a main line into Sean Marks. <laughs> I'm working my end roads with Amari Stoudemire. We, 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 we have our connections. I've always um, pushed back on the we idea. I'm not. I'm, I, I mean, I said it, and I corrected myself, and I probably will always correct myself. I um, just don't see sports sports teams like that. <laughs> I I was actually shocked to myself that I did it because um, I not sure how many times in my life I've referred to myself, and, th- and I'm going back to like my hardcore fandom days. I'm kind of like straddling the line here now, right? Between um, and like you look, you've always been more the fan. This is people are going to know. This if the, the more they listen to us is you're the more the lifelong Nets fan. I'm more the have been the general basketball fan that became wildly interested in the Nets leading into uh, two years ago going into free agency and thought that there was like a real this was going to be a, just like maybe one of the best teams in the league to talk about. And you know, lo and behold, that was correct. And so, um, maybe but if you start hearing me say we more and more. You're going to know there's a shift happening, buddy, like a, a a seismic shift happening in what's happening in my brain to the point where you might actually want to just make sure everything else in my life is going OK, because check in. Yeah, right, just check in and be, be like, hey, you, uh, really- <laughs> you said we six times on the podcast referring to the Nets like you and Sabrina. All right. Like what's going on? The kids. OK. <laughs> You also started throwing out phrases like, if we don't win this game, we might have a real problem at home. And I just, I wonder <laughs> if there's a, something we should be concerned about on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that would be like that. That's the canary in the coal mine, right? Like that's, uh, there's, <laughs> there's something, there's something, oh, boy. <laughs> there's something amiss. And uh, the canary dropped dead. And now we need to just go sort out what some of the other issues are. Uh, one more thing about Karis. So I want to, I'm going to, Say one thing about our talk yesterday about the season um, and how the restart. You know, I'm all thrown off with this weed thing now. Um, the uh, where the you know how the season was going to line up for really well for the Nets. Us, uh, God, Nets. Yeah, this is, I'm, I'm brutal. It's going to be brutal now. The uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get through it. Okay, I, I have a thought here. Um, one thing we had talked trust, about was trust me, I have something to say. It's <laughs> Friday afternoon, man, or Friday morning. So it's okay to go off the rails a little. The uh, we had talked about, you know, if the Nets were going to keep their powder dry for the for the trade deadline, thinking that there would be more available pieces left to or just out there, right? Because we actually just mentioned this yesterday, thinking about, oh, who's the only guy that's even mentioned in trades? It's Drew Holiday. It's the only guy, right? There's only there's the only guy that's really even on national shows. It's no one. There's not too many other places people are going in terms of their fake trades right now, and that's for a reason. But and you know, we said, oh, okay, the Nets will have these assets. There is the part the, the part that I did leave out is that it's likely that this is the all-time highest peak you'll ever get for value you'll ever get for Karis LeVert, right? Because he's coming off a season, 19 points a game, shots 36% from three, uh, was crazy high usage in, in the in the bubble. Um, and, and by the way, like kind of carried a team that really had no business even being in games at times. And he was basically the reason, 
right? So, mm. and it's not that he won't, it's not that he's not going to be that player this season. It's just that he's not going to have a chance to be that player in the season, right? So it's, if you're looking strictly from a number standpoint and your last best lasting impression of a player is what you feel like his value is, this is, it, it the value can only probably go down now, right? Like yeah. it, it just—he's just not gonna—he's not gonna score anywhere near. The, he's not gonna get anywhere near this usage. He's not gonna get anywhere near. I mean, maybe his shots will get better, right? Because you're just gonna, by nature of having defenses having to hone in other, you know, other primary scores. Maybe the shot type gets better, but the overall numbers across the board are all are set for a major decline. And if that's the way way you want to sell high in them, then this is probably the time. So that's that'd be my only. Uh, that's my only like maybe maybe just do it now term like you know what I mean because I there's a, there's a chance you get to the trade deadline and he's averaging nine and a half points a game and while a front office probably still understands that it's there in him it it's, it might be a tougher sell right at that point if that makes sense yeah and you you're saying it too it's like you know, that's what I was going to bring up was now he can in a smaller sample size this season still look good and effective and other teams are going to understand why he's not getting the same looks with, with Katie and Kyrie. But to your point, as a business, you're going to go, oh, well, you know, this product doesn't look quite as shiny as it did six months ago. Right. So maybe I can get it for a little bit less and make that work. And I guess if there's one other, if there's one other aspect of making a move like this, and obviously these tend to seem to be centered around Karis Levert most times as our most valuable asset that we're willing to part with, the only other thing would be, you are talking about Kevin Durant coming off of injury. Now, he's been a fairly healthy player over the course of his career, minus this injury. So you assume that he comes back healthy and is fine. But Kyrie Irving is a guy that has consistent injury history. Yep. So, you know, internally, I would think that the Nets, not us, but that the Nets, uh-huh. they look at it and they and they say... You know, he is also our security blanket to exactly what you spoke to about in the bubble and carrying a team that had no business being there. Well, guess what? There may come a time where Kyrie Irving is going to. Well, by the way, I, I can almost guarantee you he's going to not play in 15 to 20 games this year. 100%. As, as, I think I think under, the best understood. case the best case scenario is he doesn't play in those games. That's just that's. There's, right. there's just no that there's just no reason to think he's going to try out there for a full season here. So I, I, I think that. I think you're starting with that many games missed, and then you're hoping that's it, basically. Right, and so for every game beyond that, and including those games that he misses, you're going to want to have the ability to throw Levert into the mix and say, hey, buddy, why don't you go ahead and take a little run here, really stretch your offensive legs, and carry a couple games for us. So, you know, from a Brooklyn Nets standpoint, I, I that's why, as we talked about yesterday, the idea of, well, I really think the Nets are going to stand pat and just see where they are as they head towards, uh, you know, into the beginning stages of the season and then assess what they maybe need as they go along seems more realistic than making a decision now not knowing technically what your team really is because you haven't seen these players all together. So, and then that may mean missing out on a couple of guys, right? If there's enough buzz right now around Drew Holiday, maybe it means that there's a team that is going to come after him. I know the Heat were thrown, I think, into that mix of rumor of teams that could be interested. And if that happens, I, you know, well, let me, I'll, I'll put that back to you. Would that, would you feel like if the trade for Holiday, if he's going somewhere and it's happening before the season starts, do you think Brooklyn then? has to get in on that now or can they just afford to say no we'll see the trade deadline and we'll see who becomes available because while holiday is a very nice complimentary piece i don't he's not the end-all be-all 
Uh, I'm going to answer that. Let's take a quick break, and I'll, I'll answer that question. All right. Is Drew Holiday a must-trade-for guy? No, but there is some chance that he's the best reasonable guy you would ever get at the trade deadline, too. And if the cost wasn't prohibitive, then you probably have to do it. And that's... I can't believe we're going to end up doing 30 minutes on Drew Holiday here, but this is what how this is how <laughs> this is how we're going to roll. So, I, yeah, okay. I don't I don't think he is. I do think there'd be a little FOMO here if you're missing out. For those that don't know, um, this guy's so hip, and aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so don't go there, Adam. The uh, I do I do think that there be there be some concern that if this was all all it took, I'm putting all in quotes that you might look back and say, oh, man, that would have been nice to pull the trigger on. Mm-hmm. I, and I'll and i say one thing, too, in terms of, you know, you mentioned, you know, secondary ball handling and just kind of like, you know, taking the load off scoring. Let me give you a couple quick comparisons on two players. Ready? Player A averaged 16.5 field goal attempts per game. Player B averaged 16.3 uh, field goal attempts per game. Player A shot... 45% from the field, 35% from three. Player B, 36, uh, 42 and 36 from three. Player A scored 19 points a game. Player B scored 19 points a game. <laughs> That's Drew Holiday compared to Karis LeVert last year. Right. Um, so is it apples to apples? No, but kind of because they play, they, you know, they both play effectively shooting guard, let's call it. They... Both kind of were – Holiday actually was higher volume shooting than I thought. Now, part of that stemmed from they dealt with a lot of injuries last year, the Pelicans, so he was sort of forced into a more of a scoring role that I don't think they really wanted him to have at certain times. Like Ingram sat some, Lonzo sat some, so um, Holiday ended up taking more shots. But the you're not getting like a massive drop-off in terms mm-hmm. of offensive playmaking, as we'll call it. I still would take Levert as like a better offensive player for sure. But it's not like you're trading for Chris Dunn here and making and just trying to go all on a defense. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're that's not that's not this is not the case. So it's almost like you know you're you're getting a step down, a slight step down in terms of uh, offense and a pretty big step up in terms of defense. And I think from that standpoint, this trade still stays in alignment of. The, okay, let me put it this way: if they made this trade tomorrow, I wouldn't change anything about yesterday's podcast. Right. Does that make sense? Is that like a good yeah, way to yeah. sum it up? Like, yeah. like yeah, there's nothing that would, no part of my, no part of our, the December 22nd restart is perfect for the Nets podcast that we did yesterday would change with the Drew Holiday thing. It would, it would change if they traded like Lavert, Dinwiddie, Allen for Bradley Beal. Right. Right. Then, I, then we'd have to redo the whole podcast. But I think under its under its current form, this trade, I think we'd just do the exact same podcast and say. And basically, maybe just swap in Holiday for Levert whenever we mention it, and feel pretty good about it. Uh, now, can I can I throw out a, 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 probably a little more of a loosely constructed idea as a, a means to highlight some of the some of the things that I think Brooklyn pays attention to, and an area where they they would hesitate and almost scoff at the idea of making a trade. So, for those of you who don't know, you're listening to us on the Locked On Network. And there's coverage of every single NBA team here. So one of the the fun things that's happening in the background is a bit of a mock draft scenario. So uh, as I start to dive in on that, I got hit up by Locked on Phoenix. And they they threw a trade my way here as the first round starts to really heat up. And 
initially I, I had to do a double take because I, I honestly I wasn't familiar with it. Kelly Oubre is involved, and I, I wasn't sure how old he was. Turns out he's twenty six, older a lot a lot older than I thought he was. And mm. the the trade that they, they got thrown out there was Kelly Oubre for Spencer Dinwiddie, a swap of they have the tenth pick, we have the nineteenth. Swap those picks, and then we would also throw in Nicholas Claxton to that deal. And this is just my way of saying, like, there's a lot of things that I think, you know, don't don't make sense from a Brooklyn Nets perspective. And there's a lot of easy passes for them, probably. Picks don't mean anything, especially this year. And that's probably true of a, for a lot of teams in this league. But moving from 19 to 10, I don't know if you're going to be able to identify a handful of players there that actually are significantly different or have a significantly bigger upside than what you're going to get towards 19 or 20. And then the other piece of it is, and I want, I actually, I want to get your reaction because I know that I have a problem with this player. Like Nicholas, I like Nicholas Claxton. It doesn't mean that I, I think that he's a starter for us, that he's going to get big minutes, but I like him. They just got him. They just brought him in last season. That feels like the kind of trade you're talking about, like net neutral, right? Holiday from Levert. Well, you get this uptick on the defensive side and you're pretty close offensively. That's a nice upgrade for the team. Kelly Oubre, Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know how that moves the needle in the construct of a team. And I think, not unlike when we talk about Brad, the Bradley Beal idea, where you're just like, yeah, it's more offense, but that's not what this team needs. That feels like the example of, well, you're taking away stuff that we know what we have in them, maybe a guy that we're developing in Claxton, and we're bringing in a commodity that I don't think improves or moves the needle for this team. All right, so I actually really like Kelly Oubre, um, and he's made really massive improvements since coming over from Washington. And I think in a way that... Because he came, kind of came over as something that is an afterthought in a really screwed up trade two years ago. That was like they got the names wrong at, at one point. Like they weren't sure like it was like M. Brooks. I can't remember the whole thing. But it was like mm-hmm. a the whole thing got really, really messed up in terms of like who was being traded. Ubre's made really pretty big strides. He's a redundant asset for the Suns at this point because they've, they've developed uh, Mikhail Bridges and um, uh, Cam Johnson. So the not yeah, Cam Johnson, um, the. I get why Phoenix would want to do it. I, on the other hand, don't think that this is the swap. It's good. He's a long defender. Uh, he's a 3 and D guy. The three-point shooting's improved. He's a big dude. He can kind of like ramp up almost to the four as play small ball four times. So you like that. I think he'd actually be a nice fit again with this team. And I think in the same respect that we talked about Kyrie Irving not playing the whole season, Dinwiddie actually becomes a pretty vital part of this team, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't think you see him moved. I think they need to know what the limitations Kyrie has um, in terms of health. And Dinwiddie's contract's just totally reasonable at this point for what he provides. So I actually would be a little surprised to see him go because if you let Dinwiddie go, you are really playing with fire around what happens when when and if Kyrie gets hurt or just needs to sit, right? Yeah. Like, you're just – and Ubre is just not, not a, a solution for that. So, well, well, a good player and a guy that if maybe you're giving up something different, I'd say, for, for sure, go for it. But in terms of – like, maybe even, like, Levert, I don't know. Like, they're he and Levert, I don't know how different they are, right? Like, they're, they're both well, well, the same but- age. They have very, very similar stats. Ubre is probably a little better on defense. Ubre has – Improved, but they're they're actually very similar in a lot of ways too. Um, yeah, I mean Uber is more off ball than than Levert is, so that that way they're different. I I, get, I mostly meant just like an age and sort of timelines are the same. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'd almost do it. I'd almost like say they would never do it for Levert because Levert's better. So I like you'd have to get more back for it. But uh, 
I just I really I'm 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 really hesitant to part ways with Din- Dinwiddie at this point because I just think there's going to be a world where they're really going to need him like a lot this year. So that that was the weird thing because by the way, as as you classically do when uh, when talking about trades, you, you bring it to the public and you, you just start talking about it. Um, but I actually so I ended up pushing back with them, and this is actually it's, it's kind of fun because it's just a bunch of guys, you know hashing out possible deals, backdoor deals, what I assume goes on in the NBA, where I ended up saying, listen, if you want to go to a protected uh, 2021 pick, then I would consider as opposed to putting Claxton into that mix. That's kind of where we settled on it. But to your point, so the weird thing for me is, and you and I talked about this last season, as we can get away from trade conversations specifically, but just the idea of these players, right? And 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 it's hard to. We tried not to get too high on Levert, even though we, we were loving what we were seeing. We tried not to get too low, I would say, on Dinwiddie, just in terms of, this guy, to me, he has the most value he has is to us as our team. I did it. I did it again. Here we go. The us, the we. Uh, You're this, allowed to. You're allowed oh, to say I us. Can. That's okay, fine. Okay, yeah. Thank well, oh, thank you, Doug. Um, but but for the Nets, Dinwiddie has tremendous value for us as currently constructed and on a pretty reasonable deal as opposed to player X, player Y, it's, again, it's just, it's hard to quantify what you have in incoming players and how they're going to mold into it. So when initially my thought was, well, Dinwiddie's probably on his way out. So, you know, flipping him for somebody makes sense. And Ubre's on a, has two years left on a $30 million, you know, over the next two years. And that's fine. And yet I still found myself hesitating be like, yeah, but Dinwiddie. And I, and I, I couldn't tell if that was, no, this guy's important to the team because I could think about it from that side. And then also, I have the us we mentality where I'm like, no, 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 that's our guy. We can't, we don't give up our guy. We keep our guy. So I, I, I get lost in the weeds in that sense when it comes to you know, improving the team. Though when we think about a Drew Holiday, I very easily get pretty excited about about the prospect of improving that area of our team defensively, et cetera. Yeah, and I think that like I, you know, we talked about this last year going into the season. Our number one concern about going into last season in terms of expected wins, and we knew the Nets weren't going to win the championship or anything last year. We talked at length about this. I said my number one concern in projecting their win total, which um, you know, if if you listen to the Nets podcast, I was one of the I don't want to say I was one of the few, but I was I, I feel, really I felt like it at the time was one of the few people that came in like way under the Nets win total for the season, mm-hmm. mostly because. I was very worried that Kyrie just wasn't going to play the whole season. It was only that was only it. That was really the only reason. It was like Kyrie is not going to play the whole season, and every game you miss from him is a really step down. Now I was I was right and I was wrong on that. I was correct because he barely played the whole season. Where I was incorrect was um, evaluating the how good Dinwiddie ended up being. <laughs> right, like right. he ended up being so good that it really mitigated a lot of what I thought was going to be the downside effect of missing Kyrie. So this is my, this is me going back now and saying, now that we know this, we know that this is a really important piece of the puzzle, right? (laughs) Like, um, and that's a pretty valuable thing to know. And while point guards in the NBA are fairly replaceable in terms of league average guys, like it's very easy to find league average like the two easiest things are fine are league average uh, point guards and like cheap bigs, mm-hmm. like cheap centers. Okay. Like those are like this, which is why I'm making paying DeAndre is like absolutely insanity, but whatever. Um, the like you can find those things. You can find those guys, but Dinwiddie's not that. He's like way better than league average. And you have him on a reasonable, you have him on a reasonable contract in a system that he understands. I mean, Nash's system 
is going to change a little bit, but Dinwiddie's kind of made for even more of a run-and-gun style anyway, so I'm not worried about it. So I just think he's he's a really, in some ways, he's as valuable, if not more, than Levert at this point because he's the backup plan for if and when Kyrie can't play. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense, and that's why I think I, I tend to lean in the direction of, hey, let's see how the start of the season goes. Let's not necessarily worry about reaching for something or committing to a deal. And obviously, that means that Sean Marks is going to come out and, and do something that we that no, that no one's anticipating and not a rumor that's been remotely talked about in the league. All right, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff next week. We're going to talk about the Mike Prada piece about Kevin Durant's Achilles, which I found fascinating um, and very encouraging when it comes to what we can expect from Durant, while also setting some reasonable expectations and limitations around what we're going to see from him. It's a fantastic piece, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Mike D'Antoni and how maybe some of his style uh, of coaching in terms of like his adaptability is going to come into play here. We're going to take a look at some more of the assistant coaches that they have down the line. Ton, and I'm sure, as always, there's going to be tons of that stuff uh, and basketball stuff in general that comes up because that is just how the basketball world works. The offseason, in some ways, is as exciting as in-season stuff when it comes to just the rumor mill flying. Locked on Nets, obviously, is the podcast. Rate and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps build up our listens, um, which is the most important thing in the podcast world. Go follow us over on Twitter at Locked on Nets. You can follow myself, Doug Norrie, and Adam Armbrecht. Uh, those are just our names. And you can follow those as our Twitter handles. We're just kind of throwing out random stuff here and there as well. All that helps boost the podcast, and that's what we're here to do. Buddy, talk to you next week when we talk more Brooklyn Nets. Hey, sleight of hand and twist of fate. On a bed of nails, she makes me wait, and I wait without you. Poet Paul David Hewson. Oh, thank you. The great poets remain alive at the end of our podcast. Sorry, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>